Hey y'all, my name is Kylie Breitschuler and welcome to Cheers with Engineers, episode three. Are you a young engineer pursuing licensure, looking for career advice, or wanting to find relatable engineering content? Join me, a 26-year-old civil engineer, as I dive into stories told by men and women all across the engineering industry. Grab a glass of wine or your drink of choice and listen in as I dig into career development, industry challenges, and engineering success stories. Today, I'm here with Amanda Robinson. Amanda Robinson is an acoustic engineer from Australia and now resides in Toronto, Canada. She studied mechanical engineering at the University of Adelaide and was one of five women in her graduating class. Since July 2022, Amanda has worked as a vice president of architectural acoustics at Air Acoustics Engineering Limited. Prior to her current position, she was co-CEO of an acoustic consulting firm in Australia. Amanda is invested in and passionate about encouraging young women to enter the science and engineering world. So welcome to the podcast. Cheers with engineers. Thanks, Kelly. Um, and then fun fact is that your favorite place in the world is actually a small beach town in Victoria, Australia. So obviously, love to travel, but this is your favorite location. So why is that? Because I love the ocean. And I love the beach and the fact that you could go down to the beach and be the only person on there most days. If I saw somebody else, I'd be like, no, this is my beach. <laughs> That's <away>. awesome. <laughs> you said, how long was it? The mile stretch? miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, and then off the Southern Ocean. So it was quite rugged and wild. And it was Surfing? Just... Do you surf at all? I wouldn't surf there. Okay. No. no. Lots of people dangerous. died on that beach. So oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's rough. <laughs> I know we kind of talked before in our little introduction call about you sailing. So is that kind of how you got your original passion for travel? No, I I was always a traveler. So from the time I finished university, I think I was planning a trip to the UK. I ended up going to New Zealand instead my first um, overseas adventure. And from there, I took every opportunity to just get out and do something different. So yeah, um, went to the UK, worked there for five years, um, came back to Australia, had lots of travel as part of the job and now in North America. Yeah. So is there a beach close to you in Toronto? There's a lake. A lake, yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's not quite the same. Not quite the same. <laughs> no. But it's still beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Um, obviously, this is Cheers with Engineers, so I have to introduce the wine I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking a Merlot from 2018. It is from Horse Heaven Hills. You should maybe have gone for one of the Australian ones, although I yeah, not, I know I would not buy the ones that you see in the like LCBO here because yeah. that is the stuff. The stuff that they export is all of the mixed grapes that nobody in Australia wants to drink. <laughs> right. All right. So, kind of what interested me. I mean, obviously, you have a really cool story, um, and just acoustic engineering is something so neat that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, so if you could just give like a general overview of what acoustic engineering is. Yeah. So it's um, it, we basically 
design spaces to make them sound great. That's that's it in a nutshell. And I work in the architectural side of things, um, which is all about sound in buildings. And it could be making spaces quieter because there's too much noise um, coming through from plant rooms. It could be making the spaces feel um, better so that they're not so loud and reverberant. Like I was in an event last night with a thousand people crammed into a noisy bar and it's so difficult to Mm -hmm. talk to people because you have this, you know, crescendo of noise in the space. I hate spaces like that. So we we do our best to avoid um, creating things like that, but Mm -hmm. it could be the vibration sensitive equipment in a healthcare facility. Like it, it has such a broad range of areas that fall under acoustic engineering yeah Um, and then outside the building side of things it could be you know noise from a factory on a planned residential subdivision Um, it could be noise from wind farms it Mm -hmm. could be you know any any manner of noise Um, noise from an airport we used to do a lot of airport noise as well Um, so yeah and one of the things I really love about um, my role and why I've been in it for 25 plus years and still find it exciting is that there's always something different. Like it doesn't matter. You can have two projects that are very similar, but there's always something, you know, slightly different between the two that you've got to try and resolve or a design challenge. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. I feel like end up looking for in their career. They want that variety. You know, there's like every once in a while people want the same thing every day but I don't know at least that's what I've experienced in my career I love the fact that I get to do a bunch of different things so yeah that's really really neat and so you studied you studied mechanical engineering did you have an introduction to acoustic engineering at school so so it's interesting University of Adelaide is probably one of the one of two I think in Australia that has an acoustic specialism Um, and the person who ran the course at the time offered one elective subject in final year. So that was my introduction to it, and it was one of the only subjects that I really enjoyed. And so then I sought out a job in that field. Yeah. And the rest is history. So (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at Purdue, I think they do have an acoustic engineering program like we talked about, Um, Mm. but it's pretty small. They don't advertise it very well um i the only reason i knew about it and i was in the engineering program at purdue was because we had a friend that was in it and i don't know how he sought it out but just a really cool industry it sounds like and um really cool projects for sure um so one of our graduates that works here is from purdue and has come through that program and was basically saying how good it was in terms of because he had a musical background and had an interest in the space. So, but we used to find that when we were looking for people to um, join the engineering field, it was, you know, your math science background, but it could be architecture. We Mm -hmm. had music students who joined us who had a passion for the combination of the science and the music. So, um, I think it's open to, you can get to it from a lot of different routes. Yeah. So obviously you have had a great career so far, um, seem to be very accomplished, but what would you say has been your greatest professional accomplishment? So you you posed this question and it's interesting because I think pre-COVID I would have answered based on 
my favorite project, which mm. is still my favorite project, um, which was we were involved in the design of the Australian Broadcast Commission Studios in Melbourne. And it was yeah. brand new TV studios, side by side, radio studios. Like it had, it was kind of the pinnacle of mm. acoustic engineering. Yeah. And it was a really challenging project. And the team was fantastic. And we we did a lot of cool things. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but I think probably my greatest achievement was actually the operations of the business that I was in over COVID and trying to navigate, you know, the the sort of the the rush of things that were just coming down the pipeline, mm-hmm. like trying to work out what we were doing day to day to keep things um, operationally going, looking after the health and well-being of the staff, um, just trying to navigate that process. Um, was, That's when you were CEO, right? Is what you're yes. talking about? Yep. Yeah. Co-CEO. I can't even imagine. I did, yeah. I did share the role, but it was <laughs> we had quite different um, sort of areas of responsibility. Gotcha. Yeah, I can't imagine how overwhelming that would be during a global pandemic running a, a whole company. But it was just the fact that it, it turned from being, you know, something like we thought it was just a flu epidemic you know Mm -hmm. and then what we were starting to hear out of Europe was a lot more concerning we had offices in Hong Kong China they effectively went down into you know shutdown mode and we were having to send supplies to them because they had no masks no tests no nothing Um, and then you know every every state in Australia had a different set of rules so mm-hmm. <laughs> we were constantly on the government websites going, okay, Perth can do this, but Victoria yeah. has to do that. And New South Wales, they're, they're doing what? something else. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, chaotic. <laughs> it was a minefield. Yeah. So is that what ultimately led you to coming to Toronto for a different position? Like the chaos of that or what made you want to leave? No, it was what I realized out of that. So I, I took on the role um originally because we tried operating the company with a a team of five that didn't work and so then it got narrowed down to the two of us and I said I didn't really want the role it was Mm. not something that was in my horizon I said I'd do it for two years I ended up doing it for five years and after that I just it wasn't what I wanted to do and I very much missed the technical side of things so it's basically more in a management role um, so day-to-day operations, recruitment, you know, running the business as opposed to being an engineer. And I'm trained as an engineer right. and I missed it. And we had been to Canada in 2019 um, as a family and spent six weeks traveling and fell in love with it. And COVID really cemented the idea because we thought, well, you know, do we really still want to do this? And the answer was yes. Mm. So as soon as the restrictions started to lift, we started to put that plan in place. And it wasn't just me. It was the, like the whole family has relocated here. Right. So, so husband, you're not just like, bye. <laughs> husband, child, dog. Um, yes. Yeah, it was a big move. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So how old is your son? My son is 10. He's 10. So what did he think of going from Australia to Toronto? I'm curious. Well, he... Uh, 
so we were reflecting on this because obviously Halloween, we didn't, yeah. we don't really have Halloween in Australia. Um, yeah. So last year he was quite shy when we we went out trick or treating, but he didn't really know what to do. This year he was off with his buddies. Like <laughs> he's like, so this is amazing. It. I just yeah. go to random doors and get candy. <laughs> Who set this up? It is like a yeah. sweet idea. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, good for him. So, yeah, sounds like he's adjusted then. Yeah, he was – we weren't – I wasn't particularly worried about that. But one yeah. of the things – so, as a kid, I moved around um, to a lot of different schools and places. My dad, um, his job took him places, so the whole family moved with him. Mm-hmm. And my husband had the same experience in the UK. So, we kind of wanted to give that experience to um, my son. So yeah, and, and now cool. is a good good age to do it. He's yeah, malleable, for sure. Awesome. What was it like becoming a mother and ba- balancing that with wanting to succeed in your career? Because that's a, something that a lot of people want to do. A lot of women want to do. I want to mm-hmm. do it. How do you balance that? So the best advice that I got when I was approaching motherhood, and this was from one of my cousins who is a lawyer. Um, who has three um, girls. So she had been through it. She said, you set your boundaries. Mm. Like only you can do that. Like, you know, you're the one calling the shots in terms of what time you're prepared to give up and, you know, how you want to run things. So if you are out of the office Tuesdays and Thursdays, put that in your email signature to make sure everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um you know, also be prepared that there will be times when you can't be available and you're going to have to shuffle things. The other top tip was uh, Gina Ford (laughs) (laughs) had um, a really good strict regime for getting a child into a sleep routine. And so I I followed that religiously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And as a result, like Brad was sleeping probably three hours in the middle of the day which meant that I could get things done like it was it was brilliant so yeah so you were working from home I had a design competition that we'd entered into when I was four months four months after Brad was born so I did that um initially and then I tried going back one day a week and that was dreadful yeah um because you just couldn't I couldn't get anything done. So yeah. after that, I committed to, once we had childcare established, yep. um, then it was three days a week to start with. And then I pretty much went back full time after the that, first year. That's awesome. I feel like that's very, like a good way to gradually get back into it. So at that point, were you, what was your role when you were pregnant or just had your son? Um, I think... Well, I was sort of part of the senior leadership. I can't okay. remember whether I was on the board. I was either on the board or I just stepped off the board, um, okay. but part of the shareholders group. So I I had a fairly a lot senior of responsibilities. Role. Yeah. yeah. Very and cool. I think once, um, once that had happened as well, we had one of the senior people um, who went off to do something else and I kind of stepped into effectively running the um, architectural side of things in the buildings group um, there. So, yeah, I feel like it's a, this has just been something that I've seen, but I'm sure it's been going on forever. You know, you kind of feel like, okay, I'm going to be a career woman or I'm going to be a really good mom, like one of the two. Um, 
And I feel like you're a great example that you can do both. My mom is a great example that you can do both. Um, and so like, I am striving to do that. You know, I'm not, I don't have any kids right now, but like, obviously that's going to be in the future here soon. So trying to get as much advice as I can. And I really like what you said about um, setting your boundaries. That's, yeah, that's something like, I feel like you always feel like you have to say yes. Um, Maybe if, if you're in more like a young, like a younger role, like me, like you feel like you have to just do whatever management wants, but setting your boundaries. Yeah, that's huge. Well, I, th- I think women put a lot of expectations on themselves that they've got to go back and do, you know, what they were doing before and more to prove mm. that they can do it and run a household or have a family at home. And you, you don't, we put that on ourselves. Yeah. That's, that's not what is expected of us. Yeah. Um, and it's about being clear and transparent on that. Yeah. So you ended up being the first female director of your company. And is this the company in? Company in Australia. Australia. Yep. Yeah. So what did that kind of mean to you? At the time, did you like realize how big of a deal that was? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was saying to somebody today, like I kind of... I, I shadowed the board for probably 12 months before I stepped in and I really put my hand up because I could see that the people who were doing the operations on the board were struggling to do that and manage the team and do everything else. And I said, I can help, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll learn the ropes and then I'll yeah. be able to step in. And I would probably been on the board for a year um, after that and somebody gave me the book of director's duties and I was like, Oh, <laughs> no, no. I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to read this now because <laughs> I'm kind of in my little oblivious bubble as to the risks that I had taken on board, you know, as a, as a board member. Yeah. Um, but it was actually by the time I, you know, went through a term and then I did an extra year as well because we had somebody else on the board who couldn't fulfill the role. Um, it became um, much more familiar and I learned so much mm. out of the process. So it was um, challenging to begin with, yeah. but we had a fairly um, strong board in any case. It was split between Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then we had a non-executive chair as well. So I, I learned an awful lot about the politics side of things. You know, yeah. quite often it's not the – it's not the straightforward elements of the board. It's negotiating the personalities who are in the room at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you have female employees working under you at that time that would have seen this and been like, wow. Cause I know we just at our company had the first female vice president um, get promoted and there's like 15 or 20 vice presidents. And she was the first woman ever um, to do it. And I mean, all of us were just like, that's amazing. So I'm sure you had people under you maybe that were thinking the same thing. Yeah, and I don't even think it was – so I did have – I'm very proud to say that the team of females who were there when I left, we had 35%, I think, of the company. So there was probably seven or eight um, women in the team in the different divisions. Yeah. But also after I left, one of the um, women in New Zealand who I had a lot of respect for stepped up onto the board and I just knew she would do a great job. So, yeah, yeah, that was really pleasing to see. 
That's awesome. Sounds like you kind of paved the way. So kudos to you. That's really cool. So the last kind of blurb of your bio said that you're really passionate about getting women in the engineering world. Um, what does that kind of look like for you? Obviously, being on this podcast is a huge thing. Um, I'm su- super excited to have you on it um, and kind of share that with the world. But what? how does that kind of reflect in your career and personal life? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because it's come up like for me, I reached back to the university um, mm. in Australia when we were recruiting and saying, you know, what good female candidates have you got coming through? Because we do have a different thought process and we do approach the problem solving side of things differently. And so I think having that mix of personalities and approaches in a business is incredibly valuable. Um, And they would turn around to me and say, yeah, we only had two and they've already, you know, been snapped Mm. up. Like there's just not the people entering um, the university system. So it's actually in the school system that we've got to start encouraging you know, the the STEM side of things. So we would, um, in my previous role, we were looking at how we could do that. And we actually partnered with one of the architectural firms to run, they had a space that wasn't very good acoustically. Um, so we worked with a cohort of um, year seven, um, it was an all-female school, so year seven um, students to devise a program to fix the space acoustically and we talk them through you know the approach that we would take and the maths behind it and they had to do some calcs and some mm. you know some um experiments on how it worked and they they managed up like the the group that was selected um were able then to um kit the space out and fix it so it was a practical wow. application yeah for the year seven girls and they were there were girls there who clearly had an aptitude for it and hopefully that encouraged them to, um, you know, pursue it uh, further in their schooling career and then hopefully university. Yeah. Um, so I think anywhere at the grassroots level that we can get that going. Um, at the moment, we're participating in a campaign campaign that's being run out of the Institute of Acoustics in the UK. So yeah. during my time in the UK, I sort of hooked into that organisation and I've got a great deal of respect for them. And they're doing um, a STEM program to try and encourage um, young women into engineering and showcasing what can be done. So we've had um, a, it's kind of like a, a Barbie doll, but called Lottie um, mm-hmm. on tour. And she's been to Montreal and been to a, an acoustics conference there Um and we've had her doing various uh, sound level measurements. We have one of the guys here. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 3D printer or sound level meter. So she's got the, that's got the so tools. That's so cute. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. I might need to set, see some pictures of that. That's, yeah. They're, uh, they're coming I, out next week. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to see that. So you were the minority when you went into engineering, mechanical engineering especially. Why did you originally get into mechanical cool engineering? Wow, I really I applied to do chemical engineering. Okay. I didn't, I didn't still, quite make it. <laughs> I guess you you didn't have any fear of the STEM world at all. You decided that you wanted to go into engineering. How did you arrive to that decision? I mean, did you even know that you would have been a minority at that time? 
going into that field? Well, so chemical engineering was 50-50. Oh, okay. Um, and so I had planned to do mechanical engineering just for the first year uh, and then transfer across. That was my other sort of pathway of gotcha. getting in. And then I did first year and I, I couldn't be bothered transferring after that. So I kind of just stuck with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And- and it, you know, what what it taught me was to problem solve. You know, mm-hmm. it, it teaches you how to learn and you know take on those skills. And the mechanical engineering course was kind of jack of all trades, master of none. So you you get a little piece of everything, and I found yeah. that really interesting. Nice. Well, my last question for you, it's a big one, but what advice do you have for women in engineering that are maybe currently studying engineering at the university level, or maybe they're seniors in high school and they're considering it? Go for it. Like it, it is such a good field. And I think regardless of whether it be mechanical, chemical. So one of my best friends from university, who was one of the other girls who is still working as an engineer. I'm not sure that any any of the others, one's a ski instructor mm. in France, one's a yoga teacher somewhere in Adelaide. Um, but one of my good friends um, was working in distillery design in Scotland um, and she's now pivoted and is working for a manufacturing um, sort of clothing place that does all of the scarves for Burberry. So it's like, huh. you know, you can take your career in mechanical engineering anywhere you want to go. Yeah. It's all about the ambition. And yeah, yeah, that's a good place to start for sure. The The only other thing I would say is don't be afraid and don't feel put off by I think the world has changed a lot over my career time um, in terms of how women are treated and yeah there is still a pathway you know work to do in that area but gone are the days so when I first started you would walk into a building site and there'd be a titty magazine on the wall it's like yeah that's that's not cool but at the same time there was also people smoking behind their desks. So yeah. the world has evolved yes. <laughs> um, and it's not like that anymore. And I think, you know, women are given a lot more respect in the space for just bringing their ideas to the table. Yeah. So don't, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Quite often, you know, everybody else is thinking what you're brave enough to say, mm. you know. Well said, yeah. Well, thank you very much. For joining me, being my first international guest. Very cool to hear about your story. And I'll definitely take your advice um, and use it in my life as well. And I know a bunch of women out there. Hopefully I can get this podcast out there and they can hear it as well. So I very much appreciate it. I love the initiative. Awesome. Thank you so much. So cheers. Cheers. (laughs)